Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360, the podcast solving today's most pressing issues in the AI arthritis community. We invite you all to the table, where together we face the daily challenges of autoimmune and autoinflammatory arthritis. Every Sunday, join our fellow patient co-hosts as they lead discussions in the patient community, as well as consult with stakeholders worldwide to solve the problems that matter most. Whether you are a loved one, a professional working in the field, or a person diagnosed with an AI arthritis disease, this podcast is for you. So pull up a chair and take a seat at the table. Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360, the official talk show for the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis, or AI Arthritis for short. My name is Deb Constein, a patient that's been living with rheumatoid arthritis going on 39 years with a bunch of different comorbidities as well. I am a reoccurring co-host for the show, and I'm really excited to be talking with you all about this today. And it's near and dear to me as I'm a medically retired registered dietitian. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So today, I'm bringing you back with me to the American College of Rheumatology, the ACR, 2020 Scientific Convention, where I attended Modulation of RA Disease Activity Through Dietary Restoration of the Microbiome. Why is it important? Well, many of us have questions about diet. Lots of us want to have a more holistic approach to their health, you know, fully personalized approach to treatments that include more than just pharma drugs. But the lack of research in diet may cause some obstacles. But it's starting and it's moving into precision medicine too. Precision medicine being the use of things like biomarkers, for example, blood levels, to observe significant change. The microbiome is a promising new way to monitor health, to use a high-dimensional biomarker readout like gene expression and blood lipid levels. So take a listen, and I'll be back after to wrap this up and invite you back to the table and join the conversation. everyone, and thank you for continuing joining us as we go to the American College of Rheumatology, or ACR, 2020 Scientific Convention. I'm Tiffany. I'm here with Patrice and Deb, and we're doing overviews of some of the sessions and topics that we have learned that we think are most important to you and what you might want to take away. So this topic is on diet, and the things that we think are really important are we hear it all the time. Should I change my diet? Does diet matter? I take too many pills. Would a diet help me take less pills? Or, you know, can I stop taking my medication if I end up doing well on a diet? These are things we hear all the time, and I want to know the answers too. But I didn't attend the sessions. But uh, <laughs> Deb, who is actually also a registered dietitian, she did attend the sessions, and Patrice did as well. So I'm going to turn it over to Deb to give us a little bit of a background of how this is being studied. Okay. So this session was broken into two parts. And the one thing I'm going to say at the very beginning is at 
this point with the microbiome, they're saying that dietary interventions have not been established as a complementary treatment in RA at this point. They're close, but it is not tied directly yet, like inflammatory bowel disease is directly. Now, what is the microbiome? The microbiome is being described as a promising new way to monitor the health and to use it as a high dimensional biomarker and readout. It would be in gene expression and in blood lipids. Blood lipids are also looked at for particular biomarkers too. And these, they're looking for changes that will help improve health. So I just wanted to mention that to begin with. The very first section was by Curtis Huttenhover. And he was, Mm. yeah, he got into it very scientifically. I can see that. I'm looking at the slide. slide. (laughs) (laughs) And he did, you know, he did a, he put way too much on each slide. And it's, you know, I'm not, we're not even going to even go there as far as those goes, because everybody kept saying that they couldn't read them. They were too blurry and they were too small because he would start at the top of the slide and he would work to the right and then he would go down and then he'd add more and then he'd go down and he add more. and it was very scientific he was talking about very specific things like things that are affected in your guts like some of the bacteria that is in there and how it affects inflammation I love this session. It was really, really interesting. They said that there really are close. Both scientists that did both parts of the presentation did talk about how close they are to identifying certain parts of the microbiome, whether it being parts and particular bugs that are correlated to parts of inflammation. And they kept drawing all of this back to how it affects inflammation. That's probably really all I really want to say on the first section. There was a study that was talked about. There's actually a really cool, the Inflammatory Arthritis Microbiome Consortium, which is a new group that they have just put together with scientists. And they use different diagnostic collecting of stool and blood and things like that, that they're able to look at the bacteria and how inflammation affects each one of these bugs. And they're trying to tie one of these little bugs to... When you say bug, what do you mean exactly? Like, I'm trying to remember some of the names of them, but I'll use one of them called like Staph aureus, like staph, like a staph infection. And it's a bug in particular. So that kind of a bug. Like, like E. coli. Or yes. Strain. strain. Okay. Like E. coli. I'm picturing, yes. I'm picturing like a little Like little fly. bugs. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're really talking about strands. Strains of, of, of yeah. things. Yes. B- okay. Bacteria okay. and things like that. Yeah. There we go. So, um, okay. Yep. (laughs) Tying it back. So yes, they finally came up with this really cool consortium of the great minds who are studying microbiome. And they're looking at genetics and different variations and things like that, that actually affect inflammatory arthritis. And again, he said that they are really, really close to nailing it down even closer. That's why they're digging deeper and extending their trials. So let's get into the second session, which was about trials of diet on rheumatoid arthritis. So the speaker was Monica Guma. 
and she's a professor in California. And she put together a group of rheumatoid arthritis patients. And before they even started the trial, they reached out and talked to the patients to find out what would be palatable because they wanted to have a diet that was very high in anti-inflammatory foods. And they also gave them a weekly menu of things you could alter. Basically in the morning, for instance, it would start with a smoothie and the smoothie could be coconut milk, mango, papaya, and pineapple, or pear, lemon, yogurt, vanilla, and water. And you would make a smoothie and that would be first thing in the morning. Then you would follow with breakfast, which could be corn tortillas, avocado, sesame seeds, flaxseed oil, and green tea infusion. I mean, it, it gets very technical. And she also talked about foods I'm that they were absolutely- looking at the diet. I know. It's, it doesn't look wonderful to me. Again, it's very high in green leafy. Um, a snack, plain yogurt. Then you go to lunch. Your lunch is a generous plate, salad, legumes. With some grains, with vegetables. yeah. Yeah. And then another snack of basically fruits. And then for dinner, vegetable soup. Hmm. I think yeah. I'm starving. <laughs> I know. I know. It talks about, or your I mean, option three is a salad with protein. But again, they don't want you adding soy sauce and they want to take some of those types of foods like soy and all of those types of things out of the diet. They took gluten out of the diet. They have some dairy in there because they needed to, again, make it palatable. So um, let me ask, can I ask a couple questions? Yes, absolutely. This may not have anything to do with the study. We may not know the answer, but I think that as as an observer and as we're relating this back, these are some questions that others might have. And I think I'm just curious. So I'm looking at this. Did they say anything? I know they did research to find out what people yes. thought might be good to eat and and whatnot. You're taking out gluten, you're taking out soy. I mean, you're yeah. I mean, to me this seems very strict. Yeah, it is. But the thing is is that they I mean, this study only lasted for 2 weeks. They recorded 2 weeks of a food diary to find out what they typically ate to see how they ate. And then they had them follow this diet for only two weeks. So they talked about how it was very strict and they wanted it to be that way. And and with research, there's typically a control. There was no control in this diet, Mm -hmm. in this study. So they talked specifically about that too. So they took blood and stool at the very beginning. Then they did two weeks of the food diary and they did blood and stool again. And then they did the diet for two weeks and they called them restricted foods because there were people that did have some of the restricted foods that were listed too. And they also at the end of that period took blood and stool too. They did find there were some people that it didn't work. It just didn't work well at all. And they are still trying to figure out why. There were people that actually the pain didn't prove. And one thing in particular she talked about a lot was the fatigue. The fatigue was so much better and they just felt better. But the people that this diet worked with were already eating decent diets. Their diets were fairly good. So they're just wondering as far as long term. Again, this is very small amount of time they did this diet for. 
Sugar was on the restricted list too. They were allowing the natural forms of sugar like honey and molasses and those kinds of things. So like maple sugar, all the natural type of sugars they did allow. But again, this is way too short of a time to do this because I did the anti-inflammatory diet, which is a complete restriction of everything for 30 days and then you slowly reintroduce foods. So it's a much longer process and you introduce things one by one and see if you react to it. And then you can find if you have certain triggers within your diet too. But I think she was saying too, there's a Wait, lot more hold research. On. Interest. Yeah. There's an interesting, how did that go? Yeah. <laughs> how did that go for, for me? You, you for can't me, just again. tell us and then yeah. leave us hanging. <laughs> So sadly, I'm one of the folks that um, have had rheumatoid arthritis since I was 13 years old, and I've been on multiple treatments. So it didn't work for me. I, I have no triggers. Gluten is not a trigger. Sugar is not a trigger. The nightshade vegetables are not a trigger. Dairy's not a trigger. None of those things were. And I just from my own experience, I'm tying it to if you're a newly diagnosed person, I think you might have a better shot at it than somebody like me. You did this and then started adding things in to find out what your triggers could be. And this, yes. that this study is really seeing outcomes, not, oh, this might've triggered you or that. So that in itself right. is interesting because there's yeah. different ways that we can explore diet and Absolutely. how it may help us. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's, yeah. that's a, another method of figuring out if diet can work yes. for you. So as we're wrapping up, let's go ahead and talk about the conclusions here. So as somebody listening in here and curious, first of all, do you know how many people were in this study? I that I don't that. remember. Yeah, okay, I don't remember. Okay. And I don't think she actually said I, it was it was not more than 100 people for sure. I know okay. that because she didn't talk about it being super wide as far as that goes. I do think it's also interesting that you said that most of the people already were eating fairly healthy. So it does also yeah. make me wonder about when there's motivation to do something, you could, and I'm going to actually do a whole other session on this exact topic, yeah. when there's motivation and and passion to do something and you're willing, your willpower is really up, you tend to have better outcomes or better results. So it's interesting to me that the people who entered it are people who already yeah. have sort of that mindset. I'm looking at it like, this is a big change for me. And yeah. I don't think I could do it even for two weeks. So that in itself makes me curious. What did they find? What were the results here? So the bigger thing that she's talked about was that pain improved for the people that it did work for, and there was less fatigue, and they actually all around felt better. Their fatigue in particular, she talked about, was they, I mean, the less fatigue was huge because they were actually eating foods that more tend to the anti-inflammatory diet, and they were very pinpointed on that. They also did add two spices in particular, which were turmeric and black pepper, which tend to have anti-inflammatory effects. So 
just that in general, those were the biggest conclusions. And she said they have a lot of work to do. Again, this was a very small, narrow amount of time. One thing that the moderator did bring was if there was a possibility of actually pre-treating some of these patients, which is, again, like a stay tuned. This could be a next part of a study. Mm-hmm. Pre-treat with antibiotics to clean out their gut. And also they talked about doing cleanses, cleanses to basically clean things up as a precursor to doing the anti-inflammatory diet. You know, clean out the garbage and then go forth with the good diet, which was really interesting. So there's a lot of stay tuned because, again, they're really close to pinpointing inflammation within the diet and within the microbiome. They're close to tying it to rheumatoid arthritis and trying to narrow down exactly which one of those little strains or bugs within our diet that, yeah, it was really interesting. And I, it was really great way to learn more about exactly what's out there and who are the specialists in their fields. And these people were definitely specialists within their fields. (laughs) Well, that's good. I think as we, as we wrap up the short snippet, a good takeaway is just that there is research going on. And one of the problems with having diet and things that are non-pharmaceutical added into our treatment protocols in the past has been treatment protocols are research based. And so having the more research that's going on, I think can really help to push us in a direction where diet becomes more of an evolving therapeutic disease management option, which as we know, as we started, that's what patients are asking for. Yeah. It's the sky's the limit. So thank you for attending that for us. We have the whole study here in front of us, but we weren't able to spend all the time going over it. So what other questions you have? And we're happy to answer those for you. Dig deeper. Yeah, and we'll dig deeper. So we'll be back with more updates. Bye, everybody. Was there anything that jumped out at you that was really thought-provoking? All the different ideas about different ways to explore the diet. Tiffany even brought up the point about motivation and passion. And if you're that motivated and that passionate about wanting these changes that you want to make to your diet, do you think that's going to influence a better outcome? Well, we're not sure, but some of these things are really important. The study that was shown on this one, pain improved for some, but overall, most people who actually went on that study felt better and there was a lot less fatigue. I know that something else that they were thinking about further studying was pre-treating with antibiotics to clean out your gut possibly doing a cleanse to clean out your gut as a precursor to starting an anti-inflammatory diet. Lots of thought-provoking things, and I think that it's going to be really interesting as we take this on. So you can visit us on our social media platforms at IFAI Arthritis, and that's on all platforms. Send us an email to podcast at AIarthritis.org, or if you are a person living with our diseases or the parent of a juvenile, sign up to join me and others around the world living with AI arthritis diseases inside our new project community, AI Arthritis Voices. Learn more about the site 
and sign up at AIarthritis.org backslash AIarthritisVoices. Now, if you're not a person living with these diseases, but maybe like me, you're a registered dietitian or another professional like a researcher or a physician, and you're passionate about this topic, we always want to hear from you as well. You can sign up at AI Arthritis Voices too at the same link I mentioned before, AIarthritis.org backslash AI Arthritis Voices, and choose the Other Stakeholders button to complete a short form. Finally, if you follow our talk show, you can follow it anywhere you listen to podcasts, and be sure to give us a five-star rating. We can't do what we do without the continued support from our community. While on our website, please take a moment to click on the big red donate button and submit your gift today. Thank you again for joining us. And remember, only together, we can change the stories of tomorrow. Now it's your turn. Pull up a chair and take a seat at the table. AI Arthritis Voices 360 is produced by the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis. Find us on the web at www.aiarthritis.org. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and stay up to date on all the latest AI arthritis news and events. 